going to jump straight into it. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's Word. And my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. All right, we're still continuing, and today is our final installment, talking about harmonizing your finances. Uh, what did I say? Harmonizing our finances. Let's harmonize the finances, amen? Well, has it been an awesome uh, a series so far? It's been good. I really enjoyed it. What's interesting is that last week we got the most feedback we've ever received uh, from any teaching that we've put online, and uh, it was about tithing, which is interesting because... You know, you usually assume that you're going to get a whole lot of negative uh, feedback, but it's been positive and it's the biggest response we've ever received uh, from any teaching uh, at Faith Hill Church. So it's really been exciting, and I believe that lives uh, are being transformed, uh, not just in this place, but um, the world over. Uh, they were telling us we have uh, downloads from Abuja, from Atlanta, from Denver, from you know, all over the world. So we thank God for touching people's lives all over the world. Amen? I said amen. And uh, as we are, are teaching uh, this series, today, our last installment, we're going to be talking about what I like to call partnership. Someone say partnership. Uh, this is basically when you partner with God in the preaching of the gospel. Uh, it is also one of the avenues that God has given us where we can activate our faith. And uh, not only that, uh, begin to connect to His grace of provision. Let us go now, if you will, to Ma Matthew chapter number 10. Matthew chapter number 10, uh, verse 5. Matthew chapter number 10, and I will be reading from verse <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to be reading in the Amplified Bible. And Jesus sent out these twelve, instructing them, Do not go amongst the Gentiles, and do not go into a city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost ship of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, Cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Do not, someone say do not. Now I want you to pay attention to this. It says do not take gold or silver or even copper money in your money belt. Did you see it? So essentially for him to give this instruction, uh, it reveals to us that the disciples had some gold, some silver, and some copper that they could have been tempted to take with them on the journey. Am I right to make this assumption? So he's saying, do not take any of these things. And he goes on to say in verse 10, or a provision bag for your journey, or even two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the worker deserves his support. And then he says in verse 11, he tells you why he tells them not to take any gold or any silver. Because, I mean, the disciples could have decided, you know what? We're going to preach the gospel to this city. Let's take our gold and our silver. Let's check into a hotel and preach the gospel. Simple, right? But Jesus doesn't want them to do that. Why? Because verse 11, 
has a, an interesting thing that Jesus is working towards. Whatever city or village you enter, ask who in it is worthy, who welcomes you and your message, and stay at his house until you leave that city. As you go into the house, give it your greeting, that is, peace be to this house, and if the family living in the house is worthy, welcome you and your message. Give it your blessing. Someone say blessing. So the thing that Jesus is driving towards is the disciples delivering this thing called the blessing into people's homes. That are going to partner with two things. You and your message. Did you see it? He says if they welcome you, and if also they welcome your message, go into that house and pronounce a blessing. That's what partnership is. God could have done it all by himself. I mean, the cats had money. They had a lot of clothes. But he told them, leave it behind, because I want you to go into the city and preach this message and deliver the blessing. Get the people to connect to the grace of this message while you add it. Now, if they connect, what happens, Pastor T? I'm glad you've asked. Let's go to verse 40 in the same chapter. He says, and he who receives and welcomes you receives me. And he who receives me, receives him who sent me. Now I want you to pay attention to this. This is awesome. Verse 41. He who receives and welcomes a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. Did you see it? So he's saying, I want you to go to these people, stay in their houses, and if they receive you and recognize the gift that I have given to you, or that is on your life, they can access what I call the prophet's reward. Amen. So the disciples went into people's homes carrying blessings and rewards. And whoever welcomed them connected to those blessings and rewards. Whoever partnered with them to preach the gospel connected with those blessings and rewards. Amen? And then he says, he who receives... A righteous, honorable man, because he is a righteous, honorable man, will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives to one of these little ones, these who are humble in rank or influence, even a cup of cold water to drink, because he is my disciple, truly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. Did you see it? So God wants to get into a partnership with people. God can preach the gospel all by himself. I mean, he can make donkeys preach the gospel to prophets. But he wants you and I to connect and partner with him. And here he's saying as the disciples go into the city, as they partner with people, those people will begin to connect and receive the blessing of the Lord. Amen? Let us go now to 1 Kings chapter number 17. 1 Kings chapter number 17 from verse 2 in the New Living Translation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Man, this series has been awesome. I was saying in the first service, just this month alone, we've uh, uh, prayed and blessed uh, five new cars. You know, people have just, God has blessed people with cars. And just last Tuesday, after we finished uh, the choir practice, someone just came and gave someone else a car and just said, man, this car will be yours from today onwards. And just blessed them. And the man, they called me crying. They said, Pastor T, you won't believe. I've been believing God for a car. I didn't know how it was going to come, but this is a miracle. Amen. 
Because God can bless you. And God will bless you. Amen. First Kings chapter number 17. From verse 2. New Living Translation. Then the Lord said to Elijah. Next verse. Go to the east and hide by Kerith Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. For I have commanded them to bring you food. Next verse. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kerith Brook, east of Jordan. The ravens brought him bread, meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. Now, I believe this happened, but God's original intent is for men to partner with the gospel, not ravens. I believe God is doing this just to make a point. Now listen, if I want to take care of my preachers, I can take care of my preachers by myself. I can even use a raven. Now, a raven is known as a greedy animal. In fact, when someone is selfish or greedy, they, they are described as someone with the ravenous spirit. You know, they don't give away anything. God had to use the most greedy, the most selfish bird on the earth to deliver food. Why? Because he's making a point. That I could have done it by myself with the animal kingdom. But my original intent is to partner with people. Because when I partner with people, the disciples or whoever I'm sending can deliver blessings into their household. And when this chapter was finished, he graduated it to what his original intent is. Keep reading. Next verse. After a while, the brook dried up. For there was no rain for anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, now we're graduating. Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed, someone say instructed. So this was already a done deal. It was past tense. God had already spoken with the widow and the widow had already agreed. He said, past tense, I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Do you see it? Next verse. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in the cup? So same thing with the disciples going into a house that's worthy. Uh, Elijah found himself a house that was worthy. What made that house worthy? Was it the furniture? No, it was the obedience in the people who dwelt in that house. Amen. Amen. And watch what happened. Next verse. As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But, he, but she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you have said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for how long? For many days. In fact, it is estimated to be three and a half days. Why? Because the, the bowl of flour did not waste. Three and a half years. Did I say three and a half days? Three and a half years. 
for three and a half years, the, the bowl of flour did not finish. For three and a half years, the jar with cooking oil did not finish. They kept drawing from it. Why? Because she connected to the grace of abundance that was on Elijah's ministry. It's as simple as that. Now, what you need to do if you're going to connect to uh, uh, any grace, if you're going to partner to any ministry, one thing you're going to require is a serious spiritual gift of discernment to see and perceive the grace on a ministry or on a man or a woman of God. I was saying in the first service, people that just reject and fight against healing ministers, you know, they cook up all kinds of excuses why God is not healing people today. Ah, they brought their own sick people, they did this, they did that. People that fight against healing ministers, when they get sick, they've already stopped themselves from accessing that healing grace that is on their lives. People that fight, preachers that teach prosperity, have already denied themselves to the connection to that grace. And they'll find all kinds of reason to reject prosperity and everything that God has to offer. You know, the Bible says in Mark chapter number 11, verse 24, Whatsoever thing you desire, when you pray, believe in your heart, God will give it to you. You know, and I was saying, you know, whatever thing you desire, God doesn't have a problem with the things that you desire. He only has a problem with your heart being wrapped up around those things that you desire. Man, you could be praying for Jordans. God does not have a problem with it. You know why? Because he's not the one wearing the Jordans. You are. He could be praying for a C-class. God has no problem with that. You know why? Because he's not the one driving the C-class. You are. Some of you believe economy is the best way because, you know, after all, when we land, we all land together. God does not have a problem with you believing that. You know why? Because he's not the one writing economy. You are. So God has no problem with stuff. But the problem is when we wrap our hearts around stuff. And here he's saying, connect to that grace. But for you to connect to that grace, you need to perceive it first. Luke chapter number four. Let's go to Luke. Luke chapter number 4, verse 23. Because some of you are thinking, man, there were a lot of widows in the land. Why this one? Let's find out. Luke chapter number 4, verse 23. Watch what it says. Uh, and then he said, you will undoubtedly caught me, this prophet, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his hometown or a prophet is without honor in his hometown. You know why? Because of the spirit of familiarity. Sometimes when people get too familiar, you know, they say familiarity breeds contempt. You, 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 you stop yourself or you, you, you have blinkers that just kind of blare your vision and you stop seeing the greatness in people. Man, honor is the pathway, is the passage to tapping into the anointing that God has bestowed upon his ministers. You need to have honor for your life group leader. You need to have honor for your HOD. You need to have honor for someone who stands here ministering the gospel. You know why? Because God is actually speaking through them in, that, in the spare of the moment. And when you get too familiar, you can miss a whole lot of stuff. Like the people in the city where Jesus was born. Because they, they thought he was just Joseph's son. But Jesus carried way more than that. He could have fixed their problems. He could have healed them. He could have cast out devils out of them. He could have, you know, uh, restored sight into their eyes. But they stopped because they got too familiar. Next verse. 
Certainly, Jesus uses this analogy to explain what he means. Say, certainly, there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time. So there were many people who needed this miracle. Do you see it? Lots of them could have, you know, used this miracle. But watch what he says. When the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. You know why? Because none of them accepted the assignment to welcome the men of God in their house and use the last of their meal. Man, they could have had a joint venture of widows, ten of them who are obedient, supplying the men of God. And all of them would have had flour and oil that never waste. But only one out of the whole church said, here I am, Lord, I'll do it. That's why the Bible says his eyes go to and fro, looking for someone to show himself strong through. God's eyes are going to and fro, looking for someone who will say, Lord, I'm here. I'm willing to walk out of the boat and walk on water. I'm willing to take you at your word. Because this is the last meal, but I'm willing to partner. I'm willing to do what you're saying and let it fail. See, the only way you can find out if God's word is true is to do what it says and let it fail. And guess what? It never fails. Let's go now to Philippians. Let's go to Philippians chapter number 1 from verse 3. Philippians chapter number 1 from verse 3. Watch what he says. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Next verse. Let's go back. Let's go back to verse 3. Man, this is a partnership letter that the Apostle Paul is writing. And man, you can see it. He never started any other letter like this. You know? This one is interesting because he, he expresses his joy. I mean, the word joy is used several times in the book of Philippians because he was excited about his partners, the church at Philippa. And he says, yeah, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. And if you're in ministry of any kind, you know this when you're traveling. There are certain people that make an impression on you. There are certain folk that make an impression even in the church that you pastor. That when you think about them and you just thank the Lord for them. Lord, I thank you for this person. A few years ago, we had a gentleman called John. John had been delivered from drug addiction. He had been delivered from being a drug dealer. And he was from Nigeria. And he would come into this service. John would get here one hour before service starts. And while they are still doing sound check, one, two, one, two testing, John would be worshipping on sound check. Man, they start a song in wrong key while they're still trying to figure out the right key. John is already in there. He was just so grateful to God for being in this place. John was no big businessman. He didn't earn a lot of money. But he was just a committed partner. Whatever you want done, John would do it. And when John came and said, you know, Pastor T, I'm going back home. My heart was broken. And I feel the same way. When I think about John and his family, then I give thanks to God for people like John. Because they just sold out for the things of God. Just sold out to God. Now watch what the Apostle Paul says. Next verse. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with what? With joy. Next verse. For you have been my what? Partners. This is the reason. The reason is you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. From the time you first heard it until now. How did they partner with him? They partnered with him in prayer. Someone say prayer. They partnered with him in unity. Someone say unity. And they partnered with him in provision. Someone say provision. 
Let us go now and show you in Philippians chapter number 4 verse 15. Philippians chapter number 4 verse 15. And see what that partnership looks like. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read this in the Amplified, if you will. Philippians chapter number 4 verse 15. I want you to look up so you can see it with your own eyes. This is the Apostle Paul writing and he said, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the early days of the gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church or assembly entered into partnership with me. What does that mean? And opened up a debit. Someone say debit. And credit. Someone say credit. <laughs> Do you see it? Yeah. There's no other church entered into partnership with me, opening up a what? A debit and a credit account. Those of you who've done accounting, you know the rule of double entry. What does it say? For every debit, there's a credit. What does that mean? It says opened up a debit and credit account in giving and receiving except you only. So the Philippians had an account that had both uh, uh, entries, debit and credit, which is giving and receiving. Concerning giving and receiving. And watch what that means. Next verse. For even in Thessalonica, you send me contributions for my needs, not only once, but a second time. Not that I seek or I am eager for your gift. See, your gift doesn't matter. It's not about your gift. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, not that I am eager for your gift. How many of you know that Elijah was not too eager for that one meal? I mean, one versus supply for, which one would you take? Hunch your neighbor and ask them, one versus supply for three and a half years. Which one would you take? You know, a lot of people would have put Elijah on the cross. They would have crucified him for eating one meal so that he can supply her for three and a half years. It would have been in the newspaper, prophet eats widow's last meal. No, we're trying to get her three and a half years of supply. He's trying to get it three and a half years of supply. And all you saw out of this whole situation is one meal. That's all you saw. And watch what he says. He says, I'm not eager for your gift, but I do seek and I'm eager for the fruit, the three and a half years, which increases to your credit. The harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account because you partnered with me and opened a what? Credit and debit, which is what? Giving and. Because for everything you give, there's going to be a receiving. But for everything you keep, that's all you're going to have. Hallelujah. Next verse. But I have your full payment and more. I have everything I need and am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you send me, they are the fragrant order of an offering and sacrifice which God welcomes and in which he delights. Now verse 19, the famous verse. And my God will what? Supply. See, the story started in verse 15. See, you can't just rock up from Maslatini and say, yeah, and my God will supply all my needs. Uh, do you even have an account? Do you even have an account with debit and credit? 
Because if you didn't take the, the, the proof of address to the bank, if you didn't take your ID to the bank to open up an account, why are you even showing up? Now, I want to give you a challenge. If you don't have an account at APSA, tomorrow go to APSA and say, you know what, I want to withdraw some money. Amen. What's your account say? I don't have an account. So where, where, where in the world do you think you're going to withdraw from? It's the same principle. They had opened an account with debit and credit. See, most people say, Pastor T, I also want to open an account, but you're thinking I'm only going to open an account with credit. It also does not work. Because it's the law of double entry. Some of you are trying to open an account to receive. Just to, I want to open. <laughs> Man, you can't withdraw where you haven't made a deposit. For every credit, there will be a debit. Now, when you've opened up an account with debit and credit, giving and receiving, now you can read this scripture. And my God will supply, liberally supply, fill to the full your every need according to His Riches where? In glory. Many, have you ever taken a, 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 a looked at glory? And if you peep at glory, glory is loaded with stuff. Glory does not have a, a, a scarcity. Glory does not have lack. God's city, the streets are made out of gold. You know, when I was growing up, the Sunday school teachers made us to believe it was gold pavement. You know, just the pavement. No, the whole street is made out of gold. And in his city, there are 12 gates. Someone say 12. All of them are made out of gigantic pearls. One big pearl for a gate. And then in his city is 12 foundations, all of them with precious stone. All of them. Or seventh foundation. He went all the way to 12 foundations and put precious stone in the foundation, not in the display where the visitors will see it. No, in the foundation. You know why? Because it doesn't even matter to him that the diamond is in the foundation. It's just stuff. In fact, he created one planet called Jupiter where it rains diamonds all the time. Now, if a God can do that, I believe he can pay my rent. I believe he can supply my monthly mortgage. I believe he can supply for my business. I believe he can, supp I believe he can give me a promotion. I believe he can supply all of my needs. And I'm going to trust him. He says, God will supply liberally all your needs, filled to the full, your every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But he's talking to partners, people who have partnered with the preaching of the gospel. He's not talking to everybody in the body of Christ, unfortunately. So you're going to have to partner with the preaching of the gospel for you to access this grace. And when you do... You know, you begin to access it by faith. Amen? Let's go now as we close to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 13. And let me tell you, we've been teaching this series for the five, past four weeks. And uh, some of you make a decision to commit. You know, that you're going to be a giver. You're going to be a tither and so on and so forth. You're going to be tested on that word. That's what the Bible says in Mark chapter number 4. It says, and persecution came for the sake of the word. So everything, you make a commitment you're going to do, you're going to be tested. Things will shake. 
And I'm saying, you know, when they wanted to uh, fly a, a plane faster than the speed of sound, supersonic speeds, uh, every time they would attempt, when they get close to the sound barrier where they can go through and, you know, experience supersonic speeds, things would shake in the cockpit and people would pull back. Most pilots would pull back when things are shaking. But when things are shaking, that's when you should accelerate, discovered Chuck Yeager. He decided, I'm going to press through. And when he pressed through, he went through the sound barrier, and there was a loud boom called the sonic boom, and the plane was now traveling at speeds faster than the speed of sound, and everything in the cockpit was now calmer than he had ever experienced. But he had to press through. Hunt your neighbor and tell the man, you're going to have to press through. You're going to have to press through. Now watch what this one says. This is my favorite one. When it comes to partnership, my absolute favor. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And he said, for in what respect were you put to a disadvantage in comparison with the rest of the churches? In what area were you guys put at a disadvantage? Man, if I belong to this church, I would want to know why our church is at a disadvantage in comparison to all the other churches. Hey, Paul, are you saying we're at a disadvantage? Yes, that's what I'm saying. What's the reason? I'm glad he tells us. He says, unless it was for the fact that I myself did not burden you with my financial support. In other words, I myself, like the disciples, Matthew 10, took the gold and the silver and paid for my own hotel accommodation and did not give you an opportunity to partner. And he says, forgive me. Man, this is crazy. Did you read it? He says, forgive me for not taking an offering. Man, y'all don't see this. He says, man, forgive me, pardon me for doing you this injustice. It's an injustice. People get excited when they go to these churches who don't preach about money. At least here they don't preach about money. They don't, never even take offerings. All our money is sent from England. Oh yeah, I belong to one. I belong to an Anglican church where they built a building for us. And not only that, put the pews for us. And not only that, put the Bibles in the pews for us. So all you needed to do was leave home and go to church. And the Bible would find you in the pews. And because of that, we treated it cheaply. You just walk in and get that Bible and... Didn't mean nothing to me. Man, God wants you to partner with Him. He wants you to participate. And when you don't connect with that grace, when we don't give you an opportunity to give, to connect towards that grace, he even tells you, with my financial support, with the financial support of the ministry, he says when you don't get an opportunity to do that, it's an injustice. Yeah. What's an injustice? The lawyers here, can, can you give me some synonyms for the word injustice? Inequality. Unfair. Unfair dismissal. It's an injustice. Unfair dismissal. It's, a, it's criminal. These are synonyms for the word injustice. Wow. He's saying it's criminal that I did not give you an opportunity wow. to connect to this grace. Man, this is awesome. God is not trying to take from you. He's trying to get it to you. It don't matter what, you know, where you look at it from. God is saying, man, when you step out by faith in the realm of your finances, I'm going to show up. And I have not seen anyone. Who's generous? Who partners with the gospel? 
who struggles financially. They have all their needs met. And I have not seen anyone who regrets ever partnering with the gospel. Say, man, I regret ever doing it. Everyone who partners with the gospel will tell you, man, this is the best decision. This is the best investment that I've ever made. Because as one hand receives, the other hand gives, and as the money flows through, there will be plenty for you. But your call, your charge, is to have the spirit of discernment and perceive the grace. Man, particularly in this church, we have a grace for progress in the marketplace. It just happens because God bestowed that progress on this ministry by himself. And you can't walk around blind. You need to take cognizance of the fact of this is happening in this house. Everybody seems to be going uh, uh, forward in their lives. And I need to partake of that grace. And I was watching. This is stuff. My wife called me three weeks ago and she said, Honey, we just got an email from Andrew Walmart. Now they are accepting you know, uh, 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 contributions for the building from Africa. Because usually you, know, you send it to the African office. You never get to connect with what's happening in Denver. And we said, man, we're definitely going to sow into that and partner with that. You know why? Because everything that happens in that building, I'm a partaker of that grace. And that's how you should think. You know, the same way you think about investment in, 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 in the marketplace is the same way you should think about investment in the kingdom of God. After you've given your tithes to the local church, you've given your offerings, you also need to start thinking about people to partner with outside of this church. People that are doing big stuff and connect to that grace. If someone is starting a TV broadcast and you believe God has called you to a television, start partnering with them. And some of that grace will fall on you. If it's a radio broadcast, start partnering with them. The same way you're thinking about investing in the world, you need to invest that way in the kingdom. And as you do that, grace, the same grace will begin to flow into your life. Amen. This is good stuff, man. He says, pardon me for doing you this injustice. Because it's an injustice when you don't get an opportunity to partner with what God is doing in the earth realm. God wants you to partner with His work.